Feeling overwhelmed as a mom right now? Yeah, I mean, how could you not? From distance learning to getting a hot meal on the table and everything in between, we are getting into it today. You are not going to want to miss this episode. Here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. So today I am so excited and happy to have Dr. Jessica Bennett with me. Dr. Bennett is a teacher and a tutor, and she is also founder of the Mindful Literacy Practice. And toward the end of the show, in the show notes, we're going to tell you where to find Jessica. But on her website, there's actually a special coupon today where you can get 20% off of her services. You're going to use the code WELCOMEHOME20. But anyway, Jessica taught in the public school system for quite some time, and she specializes in teaching reading to children who have special needs such as dyslexia, ADHD, NVLD, and even deafness. She is a three-time Ohio State graduate. She has a BA in psychology, a master of education in deaf education, a PhD in special education. So Jessica also has had a lifelong yoga routine in her own life. That's been for over 20 years now. So She actually got introduced to yoga when she was a rower at Ohio State, which she'll briefly tell you about that story. But she's also going to talk to us today a little bit about yoga practice and how that helps with stress reduction. So Jessica lives in Columbus, Ohio with her husband and Dan and her three young kids. And she has been navigating the special education system as a licensed intervention specialist for 15 years now and been coaching parents and advocating for her students along the way. So this next conversation is is real, it's honest, it's really relevant to right now, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did because I had a couple mic drop moments myself. So here we go, and again, you know, keep her in mind because she's offering 20% off of her services as well, and I think she could be someone very helpful. Hey, Jessica, good morning. I'm so happy to have you with me today. Thanks for coming on. Good morning, Jill. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. As I mentioned in the introduction, I have Jessica Bennett with me today, and she's a teacher and tutor. And we're going to be diving into a lot of stuff that's very, very relevant at the moment. And that has to do with homeschooling, and it has to do with women's mother roles right now. And there's a lot of things that have been affected, and with kids, with moms, with the whole family, you know, due to COVID. And we're going to dive right into it, right, Jessica? Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Good. And if you want to give a brief introduction to what you do, that's fine too, before we start. Sure. So I am a mother of three young girls. They're three, five, and nine. And I taught for about 15 years in a variety of public school settings. And recently, I decided to leave the school system and start a private tutoring practice part-time. I specialize Mm -hmm. in tutoring kids who have dyslexia and dysgraphia and ADHD. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a a 500-hour registered yoga teacher. So everything I do always comes back to my own personal mindfulness and and how I can teach mindfulness to the kids that I serve, including my own children. (laughs) And I, one of the things I love about your podcast is you bring up mindfulness a lot. I don't know if you realize it, but I really mm-hmm. loved listening to your episode, your previous episodes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and listen, mindfulness is important always. It's particularly important right now. So let's dive into, you know, the homeschool model, right? And, and as a teacher, we're going to talk about your perspective on it. And I mean, really what a time for teachers and parents. I mean, it's something, it's a lot. Let's talk about where the homeschool curriculum might fall down for all kids and then especially those with special needs. Let's talk about that first and how we can sort of adapt this new model to help our students and our kids. Yeah. So I have two lenses. One is a parent and watching my third grader, now fourth grader, go through what I'll call distance learning 
mm-hmm. because I'm not designing the curriculum. I'm basically the teachers are doing all of the legwork and I'm just kind of implementing their plans. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So distance learning from the lens of a parent. And also I'm a special education teacher. So watching the kids that I serve who just learn differently, how they're grappling with learning via the computer. Yeah. So I guess, you know, thinking about the three big things that I think make it the most difficult for children are reading through a screen. And I think this is whether or not kids have a reading disability or not. Reading on the screen is more taxing on their executive functioning, which is just how we process information. It's like the control center of our brains. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing that screen reading just putting a, a larger tax on kids. And I'm seeing kids' social skills developing differently. Mm-hmm. And then again, this, this executive functioning piece is really huge. It's, you know, getting distracted by, you know, my daughter told me she was doing an assignment or you know, she's on a live zoom call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said, mom, I just can't help it. When I see a notification that I get an email, I just have to check. I know I shouldn't, but I just push the button anyway. Yeah. So, um, just and that's a whole them. other episode on what that does to our <laughs> brains, but yes. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So just helping kids really pare down what is the most important, most relevant, teaching them how to stay focused on the mm-hmm. task at hand. And I think as parents, we have to be real partners with the teachers and what works best for our own child because yeah. all of the kids are responding so differently. I know. I mean, turning off your notifications on your computer would help, right? If we tell our kids to do that. I mean, for like sure. when I record this podcast, you know, my phone is off. All my notifications are off because it's a time where I really can't be interrupted. And if I were in a lecture or a classroom trying to learn something, all the more. So, I mean, maybe that has to become a habit. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, watching kids just, okay, so our district uses Google Classroom, which is, Mm -hmm. and there are so many great tools and so many advantages to distance learning. And our kids are learning so much about technology, about how to control their executive functioning, but they do need support, like direct support and how to do it. So a lot of the kids I work with, reading on a screen is very difficult. If you could imagine reading something that you're trying to learn, right? So if I'm reading like a scientific article about Mm -hmm. whatever topic, it's really hard for me to read it on a screen, to comprehend deeply I am the kind of person who likes to take notes in the margins, have Me multiple too. colors, highlighters going on yep. to really understand and then be able to speak intelligently about what I read. Yeah. So one of the things that I've just been saying over and over again the past couple of months is push print. So anything you have to read, print it out. Mm-hmm. And that's helped a lot of my kids get through their schoolwork and not just get through it, but actually learn how to read yeah. and actually read to learn. (laughs) So, well, yeah. And writing out too, like even my kids before COVID, I noticed just with computers in the classroom now and stuff, especially once they get to middle and high school, I feel like kids don't take notes the same anymore or they type it in their computer. And I don't know if it's just generational, but for me, when I write it, I remember it better. So even if you've told me and I, I basically retain it or I know it when I write it, it really becomes more ingrained. And I don't know if there's something to that, or that's just specifically how I learn. But I mean, I do think having the paper, reading, writing, I don't know. I think it makes a difference. But Yeah, totally. There's actually a ton of research on the benefits of multi-sensory instruction. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking about it from that sense, really on a computer, it's just looking. You're only using one sense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you should have at least two, and it's better if you have three senses involved. Oh, so, see, that's great. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so like actually... Cut. So for the let's take it for example the writing process. So I mm-hmm. I love teaching kids how to write. If it's a assignment on the computer, they can just type it out. And one of the benefits to having technology, especially for a kid who has dyslexia or dysgraphia, is being able to do speech to text. That's great. Yeah. But I'm talking about actually organizing your thoughts before the words even come on the page. I have them get separate pieces of paper for each paragraph that they're going Mm -hmm. to write. And I'll even have separate post-it notes for different elements within that paragraph. And Mm -hmm. just that physical manipulation, the writing out by hand, the seeing, and then talking about it and listening. It's 
So now we're, we've involved all of the senses. It's, it really makes a huge difference. So I would say if you have a kid who's struggling with what I'll see is, especially elementary age kids, is they're just they just want to get it done. And yeah. how heartbreaking for teachers and, and parents to be like, this is what school has come to. It's just getting it done instead of enjoying the learning process, you know? Yeah. And I have one in college. And so missing out on the lectures is, and she's a junior in college. So, you know, the lectures get more and more in depth as you grow up the ladder in undergrad. And it's definitely, it doesn't have the same impact for her not being in person for some of these, you know? Right. And so what I found super helpful for kids is, and I think I can do this with a lot of ease because I am trained in how to adapt curriculum for kids Mm -hmm. who need a different approach. But what's really helped, because now I'm not in a school district, I've been communicating really clearly with parents and my students' teachers on, okay, look, here was the crux of the lesson. Here's what was the most important part. And we spent, instead of spending... 10 minutes, which is what the kid would have done on their own and, and mm-hmm. just like kind of submitted something that was incorrect, only half done, you know, they missed the mark is we dove in for an hour or two and actually learned the content. And we, you know, printed stuff out, we cut stuff up, we glued stuff, we That's put, you know, great. pushed print, made it multi-sensory, simplified the lesson. And then I'll say, so we didn't get to this other stuff, which may have been, you know, rote memorization or just kind of like, practice things that seem like, well, I already know they have the concept. So why would I have them spend 20 minutes? You know, that's great if it's something extra, but what we really want to do is make sure that they can apply the lessons, this life, (laughs) life application. So the communication piece with teachers and parents is really important. What does the child need now? How can I ease the learning process and make it fun? Yeah, absolutely. That is so good. You touched on some positive things about distance learning right now. Anything you can think of, too, that we can sort of take advantage of right now and find the silver lining in? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is really taxing. I think I know a lot of teachers who are completely stressed out. Our district is in a hybrid model where, Mm -hmm. from the student perspective, they're going to school two days a week. They have asynchronous learning two days a week, which means they're on their own doing Mm -hmm. assignments. And then one day a week, they have live Zoom calls. But mm-hmm. the teachers in school teaching the rest of the half of the class. So, and then parents are also trying to work or deal with other children at home. It's totally stressful. But here's what I keep reminding myself with my own kids at home we've had so much more bonding time together, mm-hmm. it's higher quality. So, you know, when I was in the workforce full time, it was just, I felt like almost gypped. Like I only saw my kids an hour and a half, maybe two hours every day. And I didn't see the best of them. They didn't see the best of me. Yeah. But now it's sort of just like, and it's like a quilt, like we're interrobed. I work, I come back to them. I help them. We, you know, it's just more quality. I think I feel like it's been a great chance for us to deepen our relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I think for the whole family. And I, I mean, you kind of touched on even there's parts of technology that are advantageous, you know, like you said, that speak to text. And so there are some things that are useful and helpful as an aid. But I guess, like you said, having the 100%, you know, distance all the time or on the computer can really be taxing on the student, right? Yeah. And then for me personally, so that's like my mom perspective. And then also for me personally, you know, as a student of meditation and yoga, I'm constantly trying to live in this peaceful household. Well, I can't do that if I'm the only person with that goal. So, (laughs) you know, having time to actually teach my kids how to be responsible members of Mm -hmm. the household, like cleaning up after themselves and, you know, just the inner relationships with the sisters can be (laughs) <laughs> really yeah. great. Like, you know, they're like ripping each other's hair out sometimes by the end of the day, but really trying to get, get them to have really good sisterhood together. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a good time. Like I sort of am half joking with my kids, but I think for these generations, there's a lot of life skills that are lacking. And so I'll be like, okay, guys, somebody has to empty the dishwasher. This is life skills session with mom now. So like you've been on class all day, but now we're going to do life skills. And I do things like that with them because I think that's important no matter what. But now we have more time. 
you know, and it's like, you can help cook and all these life skills are really important because I do think that's an area, regardless of COVID, that is just kind of lacking in that generation compared to other generations. So I do sort of life skills for mom in my house. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I just had two students at my house. Uh, I help them several hours a week with their school assignments. And I also provide just kind of some embedded tutoring enrichment for them but they like to take breaks and get treats which is fine and Mm -hmm. so my daughter just made a homemade hot chocolate for them and I'm like okay boys I'm going to teach you how to be a good roommate first of all thank Genevieve for cooking great now pick up your cups and put them directly in the dishwasher right (laughs) not in the sink that's right right next to it thank you very much I know How do you think socialization is affected and what can we do to supplement what they might be losing out on in terms of socialization? I think that's one of the harder parts. It really is. And it's funny because I've seen like kids who normally are so outgoing and exuberant and constantly seeking social situations, then they didn't have them for so long. So now we're sort of, my husband and I kind of like trying to construe safe social circles. And then it's almost like they have almost like temporary social anxiety. You know, it's like they don't even know, they feel uncomfortable, you know? So I think it's important to help them nurture fewer and more meaningful relationships Mm. with people who you want them to be like, right? Have you always been around kids? You're like, wow, that's a really nice kid. Yeah. I hope people think my kid's really nice like that, you know? So it's more, yeah. more high, I don't know, higher quality, deeper relationships. That's a good tip, I think, for sure. And some kids are more social than others. Like one of my, I mean, both my kids are very social, but one is really social. And without any socialization at all, it would be really a struggle for her. For most people, it really would be. You know, the little ones, like I think back to when my kids were in preschool and elementary and that social part and play dates were really important to their development. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I don't know what it's like where you are. I'm in Columbus, Ohio right now. The sports for kids is mostly full swing. But mm-hmm. at one point, I mean, so I live in a an urban suburb of Columbus. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'd say it's probably your quintessential suburb. Everyone is like trying to maximize potential of their kid and kids are always yeah. busy. They're always going out. Like I've had kids who would go from school to tutoring to one activity, leave that activity, go to the next activity. I mean, it's just like, whoa. Yes, it's like that here too. It's, it's a very high pressure for yes. sure. Yeah. So go, I go, think, go. Yeah. Yes. And then I think, and then we wonder why our kids have anxiety. Right. Right. <laughs> but I, so I think COVID has been a great opportunity to have kids really reflect on what did you really miss during quarantine? Like you couldn't be on swim team and you really mm-hmm. missed that. Is that what you want to nurture? So you want to be really good at swimming, let's do that one thing and do it really, really well. Yeah. See, that's where I find the biggest positive. It's calming down from that whole hecticness. That's really probably not a word, but that all that busyness for me, I think that's been one of the bigger benefits of COVID in general, both for adults as well. So yeah, I mean, to sort of be able to come down and focus and say, well, what, what do you like to do? You know, I mean, that's important, you know? And so yeah, for sure. Do you have any quick organizing tips for the quote sort of at home classroom and setups or something for workspaces that also help support the mom and the kids to keep everything organized and make life a little easier? Yeah. So I touched a little bit on executive functioning and this is really one of the main pieces of it is how do you organize your materials and also how do you organize information in your brain? Mm. So for us, it's been, and a lot of my students, I recommend printing off schedule. So that's visual enough. I even have like a, a blank template that I'd use it differently from a kindergartner than how I use it differently for my fourth grader uses it on her own, but just kind of mm-hmm. like having them decide which classroom activities they want to do first in which order. And Mm so, and I do that with my students. They come in, I say, okay, create your work plan. What are we doing today? What are your three or four things we're going to get done in the next two hours? And then how are you going to, you know, move your body, relax your Mm -hmm. mind, reward yourself. So that's, I think, really important for kids to have that choice and that say, and then actually write it down on a whiteboard and have them physically check it off so it feels good. Otherwise, you can feel like you're just swimming around on the internet. 
Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of just from the design perspective, I even talked about at the beginning of COVID creating these little supply stations. So you can buy these clear Lazy Susans that are divided or white, whatever. You can get them on Amazon. And I did a little video about, you know, so you can have an arts and crafts one and you can have one that has like all the math stuff, whatever. And what's cool about them is they're not too big and they're portable so that if somebody has to work on the dining room table and you need to have all their supplies at hand, everything's right there and it spins around and it keeps everything really organized. So even little things like that, I think just help throughout the day. They save, you know, we always talk about like I've spoke to organizers before too, and all these systems help save time. And that helps right now with moms which we're going to get into next because the burden is really great on moms with time trying to do everything. Right. And I think to, you know, keeping a clean workspace in between all of the different natural sections of the day is really important and having the child clean up their workspace and put things away where they go. I mean, that mm-hmm. talk about the soft skills we were talking about earlier, that is really, really important because then they know where to, where the stuff is all the time. You know, yeah. they need to take responsibility for their things and have a kind of a Zen workspace when you're not working. <laughs> right. And the thing is those little carousels make it easy for the kids to put it away because it's all divided and it's like, oh, crayons go here and the scissors and the glue go there. And so it's kind of cool. Right. And one resource I really love to, especially if you have a child who has ADHD, it's a pretty common disability, or maybe I've talked to a few school psychologists in the last few months, and they were saying how many referrals they've received with people thinking their kid has ADHD. And the school Mm -hmm. psychologists are like, well, of course they look like they have ADHD. Look at the format that we're putting on their brains, you know? So in other circumstances, they may in the regular school day, they're probably fine. But at home doing school on the internet, they probably are very taxed and are having trouble functioning. Oh, Um, for sure. And all that, all the more that like, you know, having your computer set for, you know, not notifying you of every email and every message, I think is even really helpful, because I do think that makes our brains a little ADD when there's like all this incoming information that we have to sort so quickly, you know, or that ding strikes that cord in our brain, like your daughter said, where she has to, she feels like she has to go to it. And that is designed to do that. And so I think we have to turn those notifications off. Yeah, temporarily. Right. And if you think too, like, to me, I've been saying like, this is so one of the positive things I think is apparent about distance learning is you really are getting a front row seat to your child's brain for better and worse. Like you can see the way how talented and beautiful and how creative they think. And so how can we enrich that? And then we also see some blips like, oh, is that normal? I'm not sure if that's normal. Is it just because it's the computer or wait, does she behave like this at school? Why is she right. for the team? You know, so I think it's really, it's an opportunity for us to be meaningfully involved in their education, mm-hmm. figuring out how to extend let like I know about what my daughter is doing now way more than I ever did in the past. And I was a teacher in her district. (laughs) So now I'm like, okay, I know exactly what she's supposed to be learning. And so it's an easy way for me to kind of weave it into enrichment opportunities too. Yeah. It's like sort of, because again, we can't change what's happening. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big advocate of, you know, you can't force it to change. It is what it is. So we have to find a way to accept it. And I think part of it is just telling yourself that it's just for now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been a long time. It's going to be a bit longer, but it's not forever. And we just sometimes need to take a deep breath and go, this is what it is for now. And let's try to make the most of it if we can, you know, and it's hard, but like I said, it's not forever. It's not going to be every year they're in school. It's right now and we'll get through it. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And I want to share just a little anecdote about my kindergartner. Mm. Uh, she and she went to two full years of Montessori preschool. And I thought that I had a pretty good handle on, you know, what she came into kindergarten knowing. She mm-hmm. has resisted distance learning so much. She's my she's under the table. She's refusing to show her face on Zoom. She will not do her classroom assignments. And so I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, it was such hard. a like I am trained in how to deal with kids who are exhibiting behavior issues and learning mm-hmm. issues in the classroom. You know, I want to first give parents just the total 
props. Yes, props. I give major props, yeah. I want to give parents total peace of mind that your children act completely differently with you than they do with other adults. Mm -hmm. So I was getting Mm -hmm. the worst of my kindergartner. She wouldn't let me help her. And so I finally said, this is so frustrating for me. I'm a trained teacher and I can't teach my own kid. I get really, I was like, whoa. So I was like, okay, I need to find out exactly what she knows so that Mm -hmm. when I get the assignment for her to, let's say, count one to five and draw five little dots on her paper that I can say, no, it's okay. You want to do this? No, you don't. Fine. You don't have to do this because I know surely that you already have this skill mastered. I needed Mm. like that data for me. Sure. So I took her to see one of my friends who's a school psychologist. I was like, I just need to get some baseline data on what she knows so that so that she and I don't have to suffer through this work that she doesn't need to do. And I can have non-negotiable things that she does have to do. Sure. So she started assessing her and she's like, you know what? And she very gently was like, I think there's more to this here. I think she does have ADHD. <laughs> so I was oh, like, see? okay, well, a good thing because in school, her teacher and, and in girls and especially in young girls, it's very much overlooked. It looks so differently than it does in boys, right? She's my cancer. She's, her sun sign is cancer. She's my oh, mine art. too. She's an artist. She's <laughs> okay. very ethereal. She uh-huh. can go out in the yard and play make-believe for hours and hours on end. And I think, wow, she has a lot of focus. Yeah. When you ask her to do something she doesn't really want to do, she's kind of like, nah, no, no thanks. <laughs> At any rate, I was feeling so grateful for you know, this struggle that we had with distance learning because had she not been on my watch, I wouldn't have thought to go get her evaluated. Her teachers never would have seen that because of course, after I started this evaluation process, she goes to hybrid model. She's going to school two days a week. She's an angel. She listens. She does everything she's supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. See, like what a great thing that was brought to light for you. And now you can really support her and support who she is. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. So the next topic I'm passionate about, you and I spoke about this briefly last week because We're going to talk next about the mother role and women through this time. And there was a report I heard about women who had dropped out of the workforce recently because they just cannot do it all. And working from home was so distracting. They had like toddlers screaming in the background and things flying. I mean, it was everything. And then today I heard a subsequent report and this number was like a gut punch to me more than 865,000. I'm going to say that again. 865,000 women have dropped out of the workforce as of September. That blew me away. And they're calling it the first female recession. And they were saying that more than 700 working moms have found that nearly, they said three out of four of them believe COVID has actually stunned their career. And I guess the reason why this really got punched me was my work is really important to me. It's really part of who I am. It is part of my identity. I believe it contributes to my well-being. It just is a real part of me. And I'm a big proponent for women to work and do what they want to do. And the fact that that's been curtailed just makes me sad. And I understand why being a mom myself and, you know, around me, I get it. I have some friends. I have posts I've seen on social media where moms are really suffering right now. This is really hard. And the fact that they really have to give it all up, it just, it makes me sad. So, I mean, my tip to moms is, again, take a deep breath and just say to yourself, this is a temporary blip in my career. It doesn't have to be forever. And I also think any little thing you can do on the side that you like, whether it's starting a little hobby business or researching something that you didn't get the opportunity to do while you had that full-time job, maybe that'll propel you in another direction and you can actually do something you really love if you weren't doing something you loved before. So you and I had spoke about it and I feel passionate about it you know, all this juggling. And I'd love, you know, your take on it and any tips you have about it as well. Yeah, that number is really staggering. I mean, that's almost a million. Yeah. (laughs) And that's just as of September. So we don't know what's happened in the last month Mm -hmm. and what's going to happen, you know, prior to even the new year. Yeah. I mean, I've been on such a personal journey personally since I started having kids myself. Yeah. And a lot of my spiritual growth in the last 18 months outside of COVID was 
how do I be the best mom I can be and contribute to the world through my career? Mm-hmm. And so I know that it is it is very uncomfortable when you're going through this sort of metamorphosis, I'll call it, in this yeah. uh, enlightenment period. But if we just kind of zoom out and think about for anything, this could be for a piece of art you're creating, motherhood in general, but let's think about your career in the cycle of life in four terms. So four seasons, right? So we have the create, right? Where Mm -hmm. you're going to college, you're learning your craft, you're getting the job of your dreams or whatever. Mm -hmm. The second phase is sustain where you're, okay, we're just in maintenance, right? We're, Mm -hmm. we're, it's sustain. We're keeping what we created alive. Right. The third thing, this happens to everything. This happens to everything is death. So right Mm -hmm. now, people leaving the workforce and feeling like part of them is dying. It is, there is, it's the death phase, you know, whether that's part of your ego dying, whatever. But there is always a fourth stage and that is the rebirth. I love this so much. (laughs) Yeah. This is, this is my biggest kind of perspective shift that I've learned from my spiritual teacher. And again, my meditation practice is applying Mm -hmm. this to everything. Whenever you're suffering, just think about where, where does this fall in line with? So what you were saying was this could be the chance. So, you know, grieve the death of what you had created and sustained. And then Mm -hmm. it's like the Phoenix rising from the ashes of now you get to recreate again with, you know, all of the skills and all of the creativity that lives within you in this new way that is probably going to be way better than you ever imagined when you were at the beginning of the death stage. Well, by the way, you just described what happened to me to a T and I never, ever put it in those four categories and terms. And it's so accurate. I'm like bowled over, but yeah, Oh my gosh. I mean, I went from, you know, studying business in college, getting that degree, getting some great jobs, you know, working up until the time I had kids, then becoming a full-time mom and trying to figure out like where did that leave me after a certain amount of time? There was something that I was missing and it allowed me to rediscover myself and that's actually how my business was born. And I am so for that. And the one thing I think women are amazing at is reinventing themselves at any age. Absolutely. And so that's pretty cool. One thing that was part of this news report, I saw an article, the person who was interviewed basically was quoted, and this is really accurate. Part of the reason this is happening, and this is not anything against dads. Dads are going through a very stressful time right now too. And I give props to dads as well. They have, you know, their roles now are very different than past generations They do a tremendous amount more than they did. But here's the difference. This is, quote, moms are paid less than dads. They are discriminated against during and after pregnancy, and they aren't afforded mandatory paid family leave or access to affordable child care. So we're faced with a perfect storm of inequality in the workplace, at home, and that can and it does cost moms their careers. And, you know, that is really why that is just the reality of it. And I just thought it was important to talk about all these things and these feelings, because like I said, I've, I've seen some posts about it and I, some people have talked about it, but I think some people are uncomfortable talking about it and it's okay. Like everyone, I think so many people around you are feeling the same way. And I just want to bring that to light. Yeah. And I'm just like having flashbacks of all of my different <laughs> maternity leaves. And, you know, the thing is like every woman's body is so different, like mm-hmm. in their, and how they're emotional and, and hormonal and spiritual, everything. It's just different, yeah. right? But for me, I needed way more time than I had. And because my body was so out of balance after having kids, my emotional state was out of balance. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think that I realized how how affected I was by postpartum hormones. And I think Mm -hmm. I was fine while I was breastfeeding. Like I was almost just like annoyingly happy all the time when I was breastfeeding. (laughs) But then when I weaned my kids, so like a year, eight months to a year, all of them nursed differently, but I crashed the, you know, the hormones that produced my milk, oxytocin, when those crashed, that is when I got postpartum depression and I didn't know it. 
I don't know how in the world could I have postpartum depression a year later, you know, I was fine for a year. And that's one of like the Ayurvedic principles about women who are, are childbearing is it actually takes our bodies three years to recover from having a baby. And that stuck with me. I'm like, that's pretty spot on for me personally. And here I was going back to work, you know, three months later, which was think about it, like lucky. (laughs) If it's three years and like, so a lot of times too, you've had one. And by the time you're having your second, sometimes three years haven't even passed yet, you know, and then you're having another one or another one. So yeah, I mean, I always joke that my postpartum kicked in six years later (laughs) because that's when I decided I needed to go to design school and start my career. But I didn't have postpartum, but I had the lack of sleep, especially in the beginning, I was disoriented. I was like, well, and you know, like you're just juggling so much. Like I remember saying, oh my God, if I get to like mail out two bills today, I've accomplished something. Cause you're just constantly like feeding and changing and laundry and the naps and cleaning. And it's just sort of nonstop. And then you're up through the night a lot. So for me, the lack of sleep really <laughs> threw me for a whammo. Girl, I, I was just slept for nine years. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you do get used to it at a certain point, but in the beginning, when you go from just this couple to doing whatever you want and sleeping in on Sundays or whatever, then you're like, then it, I mean, it's hard, you know. Yeah. And I'm somebody who just needs my sleep. Some people can, you know, live with less sleep, and I was never really like that. So it was that for me was like a really big adjustment. The sleep deprivation was hard. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because. That was definitely, I think, a factor. And because I had already stopped nursing and started a period, I mean, they didn't call it postpartum depression, but they called it PMDD, so premenstrual mm-hmm. dysphoric disorder. And it was like in my cycle, I'd be fine when I was ovulating. And then in my luteal phase, right before my period started, I would hit rock bottom. Like really, mm-hmm. like it was pretty, it's pretty severe. So I think nobody talks about that either, how different your body is functioning after having kids. And then it was like exponential with every kid that came, it got, <laughs> you know, it was harder yeah. for me to keep balance. So going back to moms and leaving the workforce, mm-hmm. I read an interesting book and listened to a couple of different doctors talk about this topic just because personally it affected me so much mm-hmm. was women using their cycles, much like the four seasons of fall, winter, spring, summer of your menstrual cycle mm-hmm. to capitalize on when you can create the most, when you are sustaining, when the death phase happens. So like when you need to actually sleep more. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that to me has helped me tremendously. And I think back to when I was working full time with three kids and Opera was living with us. I mean, what crazy town. No wonder I lost my mind, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's a lot. And, and like I said, right now, women are trying to do everything from work to like make sure meals are on the table, cleaning, homeschooling. Like it's just, there's just, it's not, we're on overload, let's face it. And, and we always, I think, you know, we take on, you know, we have that nurturing role and we, we usually take on more than we should to begin with. And now it's just sort of people are realizing it. But I think that the message is like, like you said, use it as a time for self-discovery, like that time away from the workforce. It does give you the time to really discover yourself and really say, okay, what is it that I want? What do I really like to do? That was my big question I asked myself. And that really can put you in a beautiful direction. Yeah. And I think another thing too, is think about what you didn't like about when you were working. Yeah. Uh, you that know, too. Like you can, you can reinvent a totally different archetype. Yep. Like absolutely. That is really empowering. It's like, I don't want to do it like that. Yeah. I'm do it my own way, or I want to do it like this person's doing it. Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, something's got to give, and maybe this was just the thing that pushed it over the edge to recalibrate our central nervous systems. And yeah. like really, really, really self care. I think the word is thrown around a lot, and like on the surface, it can mean things like, you know, getting your hair done, getting your nails done, getting a massage, mm-hmm. whatever. And that's all great because that does mm-hmm. give you time for yourself. But think about like, it doesn't have to be even something that you go out and do or buy. It's really like having five minutes to yourself to yeah. sit and do nothing and look at the back like, of how your about five minutes alone in the bathroom. Exactly. <laughs> now I have two dogs and guess who comes in when I go, <laughs> go, in, go in there. It's shifted now from the kids barging in, although they still do because I have girls, but now the dogs barge in on me. So, you know, you just can't get a break as the mother. What can I tell you? Right. Unless you, but you, unless you hold up that boundary and say, no, I need to I know. sit 
I need to work out. Like right. I need, I need to take a bath alone. <laughs> I know. No, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm, yeah. I'm joking, but like not, I'm like half joking, but it's, you oh. know, everyone knows who the matriarch is in the house. Let's put it that way. Yes. I mean, I remember when, you know, my mother would be like, can I just have a minute? You know, when she was, cause sure enough, the minute she went into the bathroom for some reason, and I didn't necessarily know she went to the bathroom, but I'd yell her name. She'd be like, can I just have a minute? And I never really understood it till I became a mother. And now I'm like, I get what my mother meant. Like, give her a minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So let's get into, you did mention about your yoga instruction and let's talk about yoga and how that really helps the moms and kids and really the whole family, the dads too, how that really can reduce stress and into that sort of self-care mode that we were just talking about. Yeah. So there are so many different little and meaningful and powerful things you can do throughout the day to recalibrate your central nervous system that I've you know, learned many different practices I've learned over the years, I started teaching them to my kids and to the, the students that I teach. And then I noticed mm-hmm. that my husband isn't really, he doesn't do this stuff intentionally, but he does it just naturally, which is sort mm-hmm. of, it's sort of obnoxious, right? Because here I am like a student, <laughs> uh, I'm a student of mindfulness and yoga and I practice and I study and I, you know, and here he is just like, He's just, he's always even keel. And, but I noticed that he like you know, spending time outside and his mindfulness practices him like lifting weights and doing golf, you know, practicing his golf swing or whatever. And then I watch him like he, he's laying on the floor doing nothing. I'm like that. He's, meditating, but he's not calling it meditation, like in Shavasana. So like, you know, so I'll start with, you know, it's truly five minutes sitting for five minutes and doing nothing while you're conscious. So maybe that's when you get up in the morning before everyone else gets up. Mm-hmm. Truly five minutes will make a huge difference if you get into that routine. It's yeah. cumulative. It builds up yeah. and it builds your resilience to be able to feel intense feelings mm-hmm. and then get back to the middle. Like, yeah. Of course, you know, you talked about the pendulum swinging to now moms are quitting. There was once a time when all of the women were entering the workforce and like, you know, in the 60s and 70s where it was like, oh my gosh, what do you mean my mom is going to work? And so now we're swinging the other way. Okay, now let's find neutral. Maybe we'll find this neutral place where moms are at home with their kids, but they're also in the workforce to some capacity. Excellent analogy. And yeah, do you think yoga is beneficial, obviously, to kids and their stress too? Even just some quick little breathing techniques, um, right? Yes. So a couple of things on that front. So some of the practices that I do, and I work with kids who some of them have anxiety. You know, that was something that was newer. I taught for about 10 years, went back and got my PhD. And then when I entered back into the classroom, all of a sudden kids are being diagnosed with anxiety. That was new to me. Mm. So, and I think culturally, a lot of people deal with anxiety. Oh, it's huge. And now, of course, it's just, yeah, it's widespread. So this really beautiful thing happened last year when I was still in the classroom. I had a little boy who was so anxious to come to school. He couldn't just come in and go to his class. Mm. He was clinging onto his mom. And this is like a third grade boy. So he'd come into my room and I'm like, look, I come early. I need to sit down and meditate before everyone else comes in. You can join me if you would like. So Mm -hmm. I was just kind of going through my own little routine and practice. And the next thing you know, like my meditation's over. I open my eyes. He's sitting there (laughs) right with me. Oh my God. You know, and I'd have like music going to these different mantras and, and kriyas that I was doing. And so then I started kind of teaching him specific meditations to help him treat his own anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so flash forward, kids are noticing. So now I've got like, they trickle in, can I do that too? Sure. Yeah. In the morning, I've got three or four kids doing it. At lunchtime, this group of fourth grade boys came in right after recess to reset themselves. And then uh, Mm -hmm. I had kids I didn't even work with coming in. Like, hey, this is my friend so-and-so. Can he come in too? Okay, sure. So then we had a little meditation club after recess ended to start the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And it was just... I just thought, oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful thing. I was doing this to help recenter myself and get myself back to neutral throughout mm-hmm. the day, throughout mm-hmm. my life cycle. And wow, I never imagined that this would be passed down to these young men who are going to become, you know, 
productive members of society. That's so wonderful. They know how to regulate their own emotions like this. Like it was yeah. powerful for me. And this summer, you know, I, I taught in the community where I live. I still tutor kids in the community where I live. So, you know, we're really, we're really tight knit community. So this summer, the mom of that original third grade boy sent me a picture of him, you know, at their lake house sitting on their jet ski. And he was like looking like little Buddha with his hands in a mudra, and he's sitting there with his eyes closed. Like, oh, what a beautiful moment for him. I mean, it really does relax your mind and it makes your body feel good. Like, you know, cause we're on the computer so much and stuff. Even when I get up from the desk and, you know, like you need to sort of, sort of stretch, I might do like a tree pose just for even two seconds. And it just kind of like expands everything and stretches everything back out instead of leaning forward. And so, yeah, even just little things, the thing about yoga that's cool is once you even know just a few poses, it doesn't take long. You can even do a few stretches in between like zoom calls, you know, and it helps. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely so, you know, yoga means yoking. So you're yoking your body and your mind. And really, eventually, if you let it get this deep, your spirit. So yeah, like you're preparing your body so that your mind can relax is really Mm -hmm. important. But when I first started meditating, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no teacher. So really, what how I got on this journey Well, I'll say with yoga, I was on the Ohio State rowing team and my coach at the time was really into yoga. So he'd have us do some yoga before we'd get out on the water. Mm -hmm. So that was my first introduction to it, like in the very early 2000s. And then Mm -hmm. after I graduated, I kept pursuing going to the yoga studio. I just liked how it made my body feel. But then after I had my third baby, I was just all out of whack. So I saw an Ayurvedic health specialist and she... Mm -hmm was like, okay, we got to get you meditating. And so she had recommended the Insight Timer is an app. Oh. Um, it's awesome. So I love it. So this is what really got me going into like guided meditations. So and you can be like, oh, I need a meditation for anxiety, click. And then they give you a whole bunch. I need a meditation to help oh, cool. me fall asleep, click. Yeah, we have like classes on there. And then I started listening to talks that different yoga teachers would give. And then I found not only were some of my own children at home struggling to fall asleep, but this is a really common ailment of kids mm. everywhere. And so yeah. parents would mention, oh, my kid can't fall asleep at night. I'm like, okay, well, that has a, a huge impact, one, on how their brain's functioning. It can exasperate ADHD-like symptoms. It makes it almost impossible for them to learn anything new if they're exhausted all the time. And also, if you have anxiety, that's a mitigating factor on why you can't fall asleep. So sure, I was playing around with the Insight Timer with my kids just to help them at home fall asleep. And they have all sorts of really great bedtime stories. And I joke with some of my parents, like, if you want your kid, if you want to see a magic trick, go to the Insight Timer, the sleep meditation for kids, and look up Yuri the Dragon. This is like a 60-minute meditation. Mm-hmm. I've never heard past seven minutes. Wow. (laughs) Like my kids don't, my kids actually don't like it anymore because they know it makes them pass out. It's almost like it's hypnotic. But what a good thing, because if you are experiencing anxiety or trouble sleeping, what a nice thing to know that that could work and be so, that's great. Yeah. And so I I really love this app because it it started me on my own journey. And then I was like, oh, I want to know more. I want to have my own tools. I want to be free of a device to be able Mm -hmm. to do these skills on my own whenever I want. And so Mm -hmm. anyways, but I still recommend that to a lot of parents. That's wonderful. This has been so amazing, so enlightening. You have such good tips, such great ways of explaining things. I know I learned a lot. And it's just amazing. So I would love to close the show by having you give the best places to find you, whether it be social media or the web. Yeah, sure. And actually, I was thinking, I know, reflecting on, you know, this podcast, I just want to emphasize that instead of seeing this time as a struggle, Mm -hmm. see it as an opportunity for our kids to teach us something and commit Mm -hmm. coming out on the other side changed for the better. I love that. That's my philosophy, too. That's my philosophy. Too. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so my website is mindfulliteracypractice.org. Mm-hmm. I have a podcast called Mindful Literacy Podcast. I started a newsletter every Sunday to the people in my community, and it's become such a, almost my own creative outlet that they're really 
I'm posting them on my website as a blog now. So if you want, I, we, we covered all sorts of topics that we talked about today. Like we've great. I've written about those. And I wanted, just wanted to say that I am so grateful that you had me on the show today. If any of your listeners, if they go to my website and see, oh, I could use an IEP coach or I'd like my PTA to buy the Mindfulness for Teachers program so that I basically have a program where I teach teachers how mm-hmm. to meditate and incorporate mindfulness so that they can then teach the children in their class. That's on there. And then if you are a parent who's struggling at home with your child's reading, I have two videos on reading fluency and reading comprehension and mm-hmm. a ton of PDFs to help you support your child. And even if you have your tutor or grandparents or whoever is helping you help your kids do school, I would love you know, to offer this to your listeners. So that's at mindfulliteracypractice.org forward slash reading support. Those are amazing tools, Jessica. Thank you so, so much for being here. We will put all that information of where to locate you and your website and everything in our show notes. So to the listeners, that will all be in the show notes if you don't remember it. And again, this has just been a fabulous conversation and I think a really relevant and important one for everybody to hear. So thank you again. Of course. Thanks for having me. And I hope you know, that your listeners can take something away and feel like it's okay to have these strong emotions and that they will pass. <laughs> That's right. Thank you again. And, and we'll sure. connect soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. First, let me just start by saying that when Jessica mentioned various places to find her, she did not mention her Instagram platform. So just to let everybody know, her Instagram ID is mindful.literacy.practice. So you can find her there on Instagram. And again, everything will be in the show notes. But what an episode. Let me tell you a few mic drop moments for sure. I thought she was amazing. And I really wanted to do this episode because, you know, With what's happening in the world right now, there are a lot of moms that are feeling this. Some are able to be vocal about it, others not. And I wanted a place for it to be said so that people don't feel alone, that people are feeling this way. That is number one. And just to say that it is completely normal to be overwhelmed right now. I think everybody is, whether you're a mom or not, it's an overwhelming time. If you are a mother and distance learning with your kids and trying to navigate family life, it just adds a whole other layer of that. And we're all being pulled in a lot of different directions. So I thought this conversation was really, really important. I'm super glad that we had it here. Jessica was amazing. And again, please feel free to check her out. All the locations for her in the show notes as well as Instagram. And she is offering in honor of doing this show with me an extra 20% off any services if any of you are interested. And the code for that is welcome home 20. That will also be listed in the show notes. So if you visit her website, she has a lot of other tools there too. So I would definitely recommend looking at it. She was just wonderful to talk to. And I hope you all got a lot out of it as I did. Completely looking forward to any feedback or comments or anyone who wants to continue the conversation, please feel free. But I really loved having her today. And thank you all for joining me. From my home to yours, I will see you next week. Thank you. So I hope you're enjoying this show. I know for me, it's been amazing. And I love connecting with all the guests I've had on and connecting with you, the audience. So it's still a young podcast. And so in celebration of that, I want to announce a second giveaway promotion. I am going to be giving away one of my online one-to-one digital services. It is a $500 value. It is ideal to help you if you are moving and need to start getting some decorating done for your home. So all you have to do to win is subscribe, rate, and review this show, and I will pick someone at random. It will probably be selected within the next four to six weeks. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you, and I hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.